Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers including CNN Broadcast Network. Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio Welcome to the X-Zone A place where fact is fiction And fiction is reality Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, and the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday, right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and in Europe on Radio X. If you'd like to send me an email, exone at exoneradiotv.com on all social media sites, exoneradiotv. And you can always find out what's happening in the Exxon, the radio show side that is, at www.exoneradio.com. Don't forget, we have made the 2015 Season 1 12 episodes of the Exxon TV show available to one and all with our compliments at www.exonetv.com. My guest this hour is Noah Lee. He's the founder of Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee. He's a professional research scientist who holds a master's degree in cell biology and epidemiology. Paranormal phenomena has always intrigued Noah, and he has made it his mission to use his scientific background to quality to do quality research in the paranormal field. Joining me now from Milwaukee is Noah Lee. And Noah, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me, what was it that happened in your life that that 
pointed you in the direction of being a paranormal investigator using your scientific training? Well, um, my interest really stems from a cure. I'm sorry. I didn't say anything. Oh, oh, I apologize. I'm getting a little feedback. Um, uh, my interest really stems from curiosity when I was a child, and uh, I always checked out the books that I had in my library. I grew up pre-internet age, so any information I obtained was from either people I knew or from the library. And so uh, that was something growing up I really had interest in. And I moved down to Milwaukee for graduate school mm -hmm. after I finished my BA. And uh, there was some extra time I had in my schedule, in my graduate school schedule. And that's just when Ghost Hunters was coming around. And so um, that kind of woke me up to the possibility that people actually go out here and do paranormal investigation. Before, I just thought it was kind of like uh, something interesting. So how haunted is Milwaukee? <laughs> well, there's certainly many, many stories, mm -hmm. as a, a city of this age would have. Um, I don't know on a scale of 1 to 10 how haunted you would say it, but there's definitely a wide range of stories that stem from many different areas, some tragedies that happened in the city, along with some supposed famous people who have been here and had mm -hmm. tragedies happened to them. So tell me about the group that, that you founded, Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee. Yes, so um, I started doing, in 2005, I started getting into paranormal investigation, and um, my goal was to really try to apply what I learned in school to the field. Um, initially, I was learning. I didn't know a lot of the terms and, and the equipment that was used, and so I spent a lot of time learning, and I actually joined a group early on um, to try to kind of get my feet wet, if you will, to see if this is something I wanted to do, if it was interesting, and if I thought it would be something worthwhile for me. And so then after about a year of that, I ended up leaving that group and I formed him mm -hmm. in 2007. And um, I just felt that the other group I was in wasn't um, applying more of the scientific rigor that I was hoping we would be able to do. And so I thought by forming my own group, I could do that. And how many members are in PIM right now? Uh, we have eight members in the group. Mm -hmm. um, we like to keep it small. It's very difficult to try to get uh, everyone together a lot of times as it is. Uh, the larger the group, uh, it just becomes a little bit too chaotic. You and I have to take our first break. Please stand by. Exonation, my very special guest for this hour is Noah Lee. And if you'd like to find out more about the Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee, or as they're lovingly known as, PIM, their website is www.paranormalmilwaukee.com. That's www.paranormalmilwaukee.com. Wow, had a hard time with that one. Let's try this one more time. Paranormalmilwaukee.com. This is the Exxon. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, 
X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. Are you a believer or are you a skeptic? Well, whether you are either, I'm glad you're joining us here in the Exxon, and I'd love to get your emails. Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com. My guest this hour is Noah Lee, and he's the founder of Paranormal Investigators in Milwaukee, their website, ParanormalMilwaukee.com. All right, tell me about the most fascinating case that you and your paranormal investigators have have investigated since the the inception of your group? Well, um, there's a lot of cases, I guess, to choose from, but there's one that was really interesting in that uh, it really replicated a lot of the hallmarks of what people call poltergeist cases. Um, in this sense, we were dealing with a family who lived in an apartment uh, in a city near Milwaukee, and they were reporting things basically being materializing out of walls and throwing or materializing out of the ceiling and smashing uh, things like eggs and uh, coins Mm -hmm. and these are something that was ongoing over a long span of time uh, several months uh, to the point we were placing video cameras in the home and attempt to try and capture this on video Um, unfortunately whenever something happened if we we did happen to capture it on video. We never could see the whole event from beginning to end, meaning we couldn't see the origin mm-hmm. of the item. Uh, we only saw the, the end point. So we couldn't tell for sure that someone wasn't actually just throwing something, if you will. So, so what did you do? How did you investigate it? What conclusions did you come up with? What equipment did you use? Uh, so we used uh, a wide range of equipment, um, mainly because of the physical nature of it. We wanted to get it on video, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to see something appearing out of a wall, as they were described to us, or falling from the ceiling, and having the full thing captured on video. So we had, you know, infrared video cameras that we used for that, but they, they were most of the things were occurring during the day, not in the middle of the night, anyways. Um, and so we would interview these people. We had people going there um, all times of day. And night to try and when something was happening to try and see if we could be there to investigate or capture or witness it ourselves um, and unfortunately we just we were not successful in doing that and um, even though this was a long-term case over several mm-hmm. months eventually the activity just kind of petered out and ceased so we don't really know what that was I mean we couldn't rule out 100% that it wasn't the clients themselves mm-hmm. doing it um, because we never caught any independent evidence of that, nor was anyone there witnessed it at the time and could say, yes, I know that it wasn't anyone else that was there. So 
we're not really sure, but it, it was it was a very interesting case for um, a number of months when we were investigating it. All right, were they uh, were there any adolescents who were part of the home where the poltergeist was occurring? There, there were. There were, I believe, two younger children that mm -hmm. um, lived in the home. Um, I think they split time between homes, so they weren't there all the time. Um, but, yeah, there were two younger kids. However, the activity um, would happen even when the younger kids weren't there. Okay, so uh, can you give me in detail what kind of what kind of poltergeist activity there was? Were there any smells, change of temperatures? Uh, was there levitation of any of the furniture? Was there any any unseen presences? Was there the the tossing of of objects? Yeah. So the the main there wasn't really any of those other things. It was really mainly the tossing of objects, and more specifically, objects that did according to the clients, did not mm -hmm. exist in the house. So, uh, for instance, eggs was a common thing. Uh, they would find eggs smashed against walls, against ceilings, against furniture, and they claimed that they didn't ha not have any eggs in the house at all when this would happen. But they would have these eggs that they would either come home and find uh, in the home, or they would uh, be in a different room and they would hear something smack against a wall, and they would go out there and there would be an egg there that had been smashed against the wall so that was that sort of stuff um, other things like quarters mm -hmm. um, was something that supposedly would, it would like bounce off a wall a lighter I think another one like a, like a big lighter um, was just being tossed around by itself is it, it, that was that sort of stuff that was what, what we were investigating there wasn't too much else um, that I recall so none of the poltergeist activity occurred while you and your crew were there that's correct um, we weren't able to ever have something happen. Mm -hmm. We did one full investigation, another partial investigation, and we left a camera there for a course of a week and a half mm -hmm. to let it kind of record. And we would like record over the other stuff just in case something happened. And there was a couple times where something did happen. Like you could see something fly out and bounce off a wall, but you couldn't again see where it came. Like where it came from was out of camera view. It was around a hallway, so it was, so it was coming down a hallway, right. and so you couldn't see the origin of where that came from. And that was where our problem arose. Did you do a background investigation on the residents of the house? We attempted to. This was an apartment building. It wasn't mm -hmm. that old. Um, we could not find any information on the building where if there was any mysterious deaths or sudden no no deaths no no I, I mean I, I mean the on the residents themselves not the apartment building oh well we knew some information about them we do a interview process mm -hmm. to go over what their um, you know jobs are you know what their uh, family relationships are if there's any sort of mental health issues we need to concern ourselves well as along with um, any substance abuse problems and there were there there was some use of alcohol in the home mm -hmm. um, and there was some, there was some disability in the home, but not mental disability. Again, we can't confirm this 100%. We don't have access to doctor, doctor records or anything like that, obviously. But based on their report, self-reporting, um, there was nothing like that going. So let me see if I understand this. The poltergeist activity happened when you and your crew were not there. Anything that did happen that was captured on film would happen... Uh, these origin of where the object came from was out of camera range, right? Correct. Yes, that's correct. Okay. 
I, you know, like, did you ever come up with a theory that it may have been the people themselves causing the, the illusion of a poltergeist just to get a little bit of attention? We did. And in fact, um, we always believe our clients when we say something, you know, to the best of our ability and we mm -hmm. investigate it. But, you know, that's the number one thing you think of all, you know, physical manipulation of objects is actually quite rare. I mean, it, I've been doing this for over 10 years now. And I can, we've had three cases where they've said that something is being thrown or picked up or moved. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen very often. So first thing you think of, oh, someone's just screwing around. Especially when you have small children, you know, they throw something. Hey, did you do that? No. I mean, it's, it's a common thing to, to happen. But the, the thing that was interesting for us is that, yes, it could have been. We, we never ruled out that it wasn't them doing it. We, like I said, we didn't have evidence to support it. However, it was weird because usually attention seekers, they'll do it for a somewhat short amount of time. And they if you start asking them to do things like, hey, I want you to record this for a week, mm -hmm. people usually balk at that sort of thing because that's like a lot of extra work to sit there and have to worry about a camera and, and all that sort of stuff. But pretty much anything we ask them to do to try and capture this, they agreed to do. And so because they were willing to do that, we were willing to continue working with them. And like I said, this this is over a course of many months. And usually people who are attention seekers, they get their little, um, you know, their, their uh, bit of attention mm -hmm. and that, that it's enough and then they, they're, they're done. Has any other investigation team gone into that house to investigate the poltergeist? Not that I'm aware of. Um, we haven't been in contact with this uh, family for a number of months now. In fact, they may have moved out of that uh, apartment since then, but I don't know that for certain. Um, but I can't say one way or another for sure if anyone ever did go and try and investigate it them, um, outside of us. I, I find it strange that objects that were not supposed to be in the house were used in the poltergeist activity. For example, eggs. They didn't have eggs in their house yet eggs manifested themselves and went on the walls. Did they have the big lighter in the house or did that manifest itself as well? The, let's see, the big lighter, I think they claim that they did not know of it being in the house. I mean, that's what, what mm -hmm. they said. Again, this is everyone, we're taking their word for it. Right? We don't know for sure there weren't eggs there. They're like, we don't have eggs in the house. Like, okay. And there's like six eggs splattered on the ceiling. It's like, okay, that's weird. And that's the sort of thing that kind of kept us intrigued. It's like, well, it's, a, it's such a weird thing to do. And for someone to be able to consistently lie about it over this long period of time, it's, it's just not a common thing to happen. So it was very intriguing for us, and we were very hopeful that something might happen on camera yeah. when we were either when we're there or when we're not there, so we could kind of independently look at this sort of thing. Did Another the thing that would happen is batteries. Mm -hmm. Batteries would get thrown or... Um, they would like bounce off of weird in weird angles, and they're like, I don't know how this would happen. They, uh, to the point, sometimes they would stick in a wall or something like that. So it was it was a very strange, interesting case, and it allowed us to kind of work through as much as we could, kind of all the different processes that we've gone through scientifically to try to figure out what this could be. Did any of the neighbors have any poltergeist activity? No, and in fact, there was a apartment right across from theirs mm -hmm. that um, the kids would commonly go to. It was like uh, a friend or uh, you know, someone who was a neighboring apartment. Right. They never had anything happen in that neighboring apartment, even when the kids were in there. And in fact, sometimes they would all hang out in there, that other apartment. Stuff would not happen there.
But in their apartment, that's where it all centered. During the video sessions, was there ever a time when all the occupants of the house were in the video frame and something of a paranormal nature happened? No. There was not any time when that you and I have to take our break. We'll be back after the news. Exxon Nation. Our guest this hour is Noah Lee. And Noah is the founder of... This is the Exxon Broadcast Network. Broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Noah Lee is our special guest this hour, Exxon Nation. Noah is the founder of Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee. Their website is paranormalmilwaukee.com. All right, this is where my questioning was coming from, Noah. I'm an ex-cop. I'm an ex-investigator. I've been a job broadcast journalist for many years now. We're in our 25th year of doing this show. The fact that there was no evidence whatsoever to substantiate the claims of these people the fact that there was nothing on video with everyone in frame the fact of the manifestation of eggs being tossed up onto the ceiling the big lighter that mysteriously appeared that to me seems a little suspicious uh, it's suspicious in what way Suspicious that it has nothing to do with the paranormal. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's what we spend a good deal of time trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, like, a, trying to figure out, like, what, what is this? this is, as I said before, most people do not put this much effort into this sort of thing. And, um, you know, they, every time we talk to them, they seem very genuine and mm-hmm. very concerned about it, to the, like, scared, concerned about what was going on. We could not find any hint of uh, them having fun with it, thinking it was funny, Mm -hmm. anything like that. Like, it was all very serious to them, all very real, seemingly to them. That doesn't mean they weren't making it up. Some people are very good actors. Sure. um, You know, we put the effort we did into it because if it was legitimate, um, it would be very interesting to study it and try and document it to the point that um, we put what we put into it. But... You know, it, it ended up petering out toward after a couple months, and, you know, we don't hear anything more about it. So, you know, would you lean towards the fact that they were maybe faking it? Sure. That's 100% a possibility. Why did they come to your group? Uh, you know, we don't know. Um, we have, if you Google paranormal and Milwaukee or Wisconsin, mm-hmm. we are, are high on those search results. A lot of times people will contact us just because we're the first ones to pop up. Other times, uh, people have contacted several groups, and we just had to be the first one to respond. We have a very fast response rate. When we get emails, 
we usually respond within an hour. So um, that could be why they contacted us. Very rarely <laughs> do clients um, shop around, if you will, for different teams and look at their websites to try to find a team they think will fit in with what they um, are hoping or, or wishing that they would do to come and do an investigation. And you haven't heard anything from these people since? We have not. And I, I actually believe uh, we tried to contact them uh, not, not too long ago to see mm -hmm. how things were going. We didn't get a response back. In your opinion, what changed during the time that you and your team were there doing the investigation that might have caused the poltergeist to cease its activity? I really don't know. Maybe because... Um, we weren't giving as much attention to it after a, amount of, a certain amount of time because I think they, they were reporting fewer claims and so we were contacting them less because we weren't getting the claims to come in and do stuff and so it might just be that it ran out of uh, the you know just whatever it was most likely that it was not something paranormal but um, it wasn't getting enough attention anymore and so. Mm. They just stop and they stop contacting us. Now I've seen paranormal courses, uh, cases I should say, where police are involved and there are police reports uh, that document the events that were happening in the house while police officers were present and as witnesses. You know, so when I hear of a paranormal poltergeist case where nothing is captured, no evidence is secured by an investigation team, I'm very skeptical. Right, and we actually had a retired police officer who's on my team. Mm -hmm. He was the lead on that case, and he was doing the majority of the contacts and the majority of the um, investigations at the location. So uh, he was using all his skills mm -hmm. as a, a investigator, a police investigator, as well as a paranormal investigator to try to figure this stuff out. Um, like I said, these are not something we come across every day sure. where people are claiming this, especially over with such, and they were saying it was happening basically on a daily basis. Most times someone said something, well, it happened one time 10 years ago and nothing ever happened since. So this is something that was unique to us. Um, and we wanted to make sure to give it every opportunity to see if it, if it would play out to be something that was worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, it didn't work out that way. We like to hope if the parent, if the people were not faking it and they were legitimately scared, or at least some people in the house were legitimately scared, that we helped them in some way, shape, or form to, sure. to deal with it. Tell me about a case that you investigated where ghosts are, are part of the investigation, where you and your team actually used some of the equipment that paranormal investigators use to document the fact that something unseen was present. Well, um, we use a lot of equipment on our investigations to try and document two main things. One is uh, what we call data, so mm -hmm. audio and video, and the other main is environmental variables. There's a lot of theories out there about what the paranormal is, how it works, what it does, what it doesn't do, um, but there isn't a lot of facts. In fact, there's virtually none. So we try to base our investigations as little on the theory, if you will, and just try to cover as many bases as we can. So the environmental variables that we try to cover, you know, temperature, humidity, barometric pressure, radiation, negative and positive ions, um, static electricity, you name it, we're trying, we have a device that tries to measure it, monitor it during our investigations. So we use all of that on all of our investigations. Now, the case that 
which stands out to me that has the most paranormal influence on it would be that one we did in Bobby Mackey's Music World in Wilder, Kentucky. Um, and what happened was, is we had, and one of my investigators, we were doing a walkthrough. So we had all our audio running, but we didn't have video running because we set up static video cameras. We don't have ones that we can walk around with. Mm-hmm. And we were just getting a tour of the location. And uh, the female investigator was standing in front of me. We were listening to the tour guide. And all of a sudden, she moved backwards and fell down. And immediately, I thought, oh, she must have slipped on something. But I didn't know what, because she was standing flat-footed, for the most part, on a concrete floor. It wasn't like an uneven surface. And I went over there to help her up. And I was like, did you trip or something? And she's like, she's, she, the look on her face told me a lot, because she looked legitimately surprised and, and scared. And I was like, are you all right? And she's like, something pushed me. Wow. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, something like picked me up underneath my armpits almost and threw me backwards. And she moved back about four to five feet. Hmm. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> and she's like, I swear to God, this is what happened. So that was before we had our cameras going. And immediately we started, okay, we got to get stuff running here. So we continued the investigation, and this was in the basement of Magnus Music World where this happened, right by, if anyone's ever been there before, right by where the beer bottles come down from the bar upstairs, the barrel that they catch the beer barrels, uh, beer bottles. So later in the investigation, exactly, exact, strangely enough, it was exactly to the second, one hour later, we were in a room called the Wall of Faces room. And we were in there, standing up in a circle, doing a um, seance, not a seance, but a EVP session. And so we were asking questions, and then all of a sudden, the same thing happened to her again. And this time, she was standing immediately next to me, like less than a foot away. And she got pushed back. And we had the cameras running in this instance, but there was a visiting investigator from another team that was standing in front of her. And so all you see is her feet fly, but you don't see like her getting physically pushed, unfortunately. So this instance is the instance where I have no logical explanation for it. I don't know how it would have happened. Am I saying it's a ghost? No, because I have no evidence of that. We had, again, all of our tools running, audio, video, all our environmental information, nothing else was picked up Hmm. except for this event. Based on your experience as a scientist, as well as a paranormal investigator, how do we explain that unseen entities, such as ghosts and spirits, have the ability to physically push people, physically touch people? Uh, I don't have a good explanation for that. I mean, it, it doesn't fit into what the laws of physics currently demand. Um, the only thing that we can try to do, and what we mm-hmm. try to do, is, is we do try to monitor all those different environmental things to see if things are changing, because that's the only way we can get a clue as to how it might be occurring. So, based on your experience, once again, and the fact that you are a scientist... What is your opinion of a ghost? What is it? Well, I have 
I'm kind of leaning towards the interdimensional angle. So the, the multi, multiple dimensions is something that has been proven mathematically. Sure. And so it's something that, for me, makes a little bit more sense than possibly just these are spirits of deceased individuals. The fact that there's another dimension and there's maybe areas in our world where the dimensions are closer together mm -hmm. or thin between, the, whatever you want to say, and allows for bleed over from one dimension into another. And I think that was that's the one I kind of, um, that's what I lean towards the most simply because there's the most scientific evidence for it, if you will, at least theoretical evidence at this point. So are you, are, is, am I to understand that everything is the same on all these, in all these different dimensions? Uh, well, I don't know that. Um, I mean, there's lots of different theories about mm -hmm. multiverse versus there's infinite numbers of dimensions that have every possible outcome in them. Um, I don't think everything is the exact same, no. Um, I think there's different things, maybe different rules in different dimensions uh, that would allow certain situations where, you know, there's something that's invisible or something that can move through matter or, you know, something that can interact with us but not be seen or identified by any of our equipment. Why I'm asking that is because paranormal investigators who use EVPs claim that they can ask a question pertaining to a location and get an answer. So if this is the case and everything is not the same in all these multi-dimensional um, realms that are believed to be out there, how come they can give specific answers and specifics on a location? Well, it could be that the location is there, but there's mm -hmm. something different about the location, or the people who are there, or the laws of physics that govern that location. Um, it's also possible, and I, I have to state this because one of the main problems in the field is investigators contaminating their own investigation, is that we take great care to make sure that our audio environment is secure. We have control recorders that each investigator wears on their person. It's the first thing we start, the last thing we stop on our investigations. And it's the first thing that we go to when we capture something on audio or video to make sure that whatever we capture was not caused by one of us. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of other teams, not all, but a lot of other teams don't do that. And they usually have very limited equipment there as far as audio and video recording, and so thus they don't have the ability to cross-check their information. So we cross-check literally every piece of equipment when we capture something we can't explain, just to make sure it didn't come from outside. It wasn't one of us. It wasn't a building noise. It sounded weird because of whatever it was going on. So we want to rule out as much as possible. And most teams just don't have the gear to do that. So when you say they're picking up something that is, you know, uh, specific to the location, mm -hmm. that's if it's a legitimate recording that did not come from some other noise that is actually caused by them. Especially if you're talking about, I don't know how the ghost box factors into that, but, you know, stuff that comes over the radio waves, we can't really take into account at all. What credibility do you give in the ghost box? I give no credibility to the ghost box. I think that um, you're you are just setting yourself. It's entertaining and it's mm -hmm. fun, but it's not. You're not going to get anything useful out of it. You're setting yourself up to think you got something useful. 
There's something called audio pareidolia. It's the same thing as visual pareidolia, where you ask a question and you're listening for anything that sounds like an intelligent response to that question. And as soon as one person latches on to something that might be a virtual response, yeah. they say it, everyone else, oh, yeah, I heard that too. And then it becomes, oh, this is an intelligent response. The correct way to do that, if you want to use ghost boxes, you have the people asking the questions in a separate room that's completely away from the people listening to the ghost box. And then you have at least two different people with noise-canceling headphones and walkie-talkies communicating to the group that has is asking the questions. And when they hear something they think is an intelligent response, they don't know the question that was asked. They hear something they think is an intelligent response. They walkie that information to the people mm -hmm. who are asking the questions. If the people who are asking a question, if that response fits with a question that they asked, then you might be talking about something. And then if the other person independently also heard that same intelligent response, that was a response to a question they didn't know was asked, then you might have a real response come across it. But we've done this. We've actually run that experiment several times. It does not, not yield any good data. And basically what it does, it removes all of those variables, those biases that are built into that sort of an experiment. So based on your experience, uh, how credible are EVPs? I tell you, if unless I can uh, um, talk to the people who captured it and ask a lot of specific questions, mm -hmm. I don't put a lot of weight in it because the vast majority of, of groups do not know how to properly control that audio. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Noah Lee is our guest. He's the founder of Paranormal Investigators of Milwaukee, www.paranormalmilwaukee.com. Your organization has been in existence for eight, nine years now. What evidence or what have you captured that you as a scientist would classify as evidence of the existence of communication with the dead or life after death? 
Well, I don't think we've captured anything that would any that I would consider evidence of that. I think that anything that we've captured, mm-hmm. I would I would classify as anomalous data. But there, there's nothing that you could say, oh yeah, this proves life after death, or that I'm communicating with the dead. Why do you think there's such a fascination about the paranormal these days? Well, I think that people always want to believe in something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a reproduction in mainstream religion in the country over the last couple decades. and But people still want to have that belief in a higher power, if you will. And so with the um, paranormal TV shows that blew up in the mid-2000s, and there were, you know, at a time, a couple of dozen on different shows, cable TV shows, kind of gave people that outlet, it allowed people to talk about it more freely, mm-hmm. you know, then you have the internet where you can have find lots of other people who are doing, who are interested in this. And so I think it's just a combination of kind of those two things, the ability to find information easier, find people of like-minded thought processes easier, and maybe moving way more from the mainstream religion and more towards something that, you know, spiritual type things, which you have a lot of the same tenets of mainstream religion, but you're not calling yourself a, you know, a Catholic or Jewish sure. or whatever you want to say. Would you say that the current state of the people who have shown interest in the paranormal would almost make the search for the in the uh, the the quest of the paranormal, the the searching for answers, as more of a cult. Some would say that, I guess. Um, uh, I mean, I think there's there's definitely extremes in every case. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's extremes in in the case of people who believe in the paranormal or what their own belief system is about the paranormal. Um, I think, at least in my experience. Um, when you get, for me anyways, when you hear the word cult, you, you, you hear kind of a loss of rational processing. You know, it's kind of a, a blind belief in whatever. Exactly. And I don't, I haven't come across that too much myself, but I could definitely see that there are people who are so into the paranormal, whatever it is to them, that they kind of live their life by it. Well, the time has come when you and I must say so long. Uh, Noah, I want to thank you so much for joining us this hour. It's been great talking to you. Tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and your organization. Sure. Uh, the easiest way is to go to our website. It's uh, www.paranormalmilwaukee.com. You can, we have a lot of information on the website. We also have a list of all of our cases, and we do case reports for all of our cases. And you can contact us that, there as well. Noah, take care of yourself, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks you so much for having me. It was a great time. Bye-bye now. Nation. Noah Lee has been our guest this hour. He is the founder of Paranormal Investigators in Milwaukee. I like the way the young man thinks. Makes sense. This is what more, this is what is needed more of in the paranormal research group. People who, who think, who are not afraid to say, well, you know, I, I really don't believe that, or... You know what? I just don't know. 